Talking Market Talk, Greg and Mike back at it again. Mike, we, uh, we're we just bored talking about uh, some of the same old market stuff here. So let's let's switch it up a little bit. Let's talk a little more technical uh, today. Um, we had seen a few things uh, going on in some of these markets that might be a little concerning. Let's let's start with the uh, the soybean market uh, and let's look specifically at that November uh, contract. You've got uh, what I think you referred to as a throw over. Can you explain what we're looking at uh, when we look at November beans? Yeah. So what we were looking at and uh, sent that out last Wednesday, Thursday is a potential for this ending diagonal look to it. And with the ending diagonal look, it's something that obviously you like to see at the end of a move. And secondarily, you like to see that move outside of the pattern where you see it break to the top side and give that little extra confidence to the bulls before retreating back below it on the next movement. And what that would be referred to is that throw over look, that thing that traps people into that uh, pattern and gets that more aggressive move back down through the downside of the pattern. So during Thursday and Friday's trade, you had a really good look at that. You broke to the top side of the pattern on Thursday and you closed very well towards your high. It looked like you were getting short squeezing in the bean contracts. And then on Friday, you saw it completely do the opposite and fall back, bear spread, and move its way back into the pattern and down lower to end the day on a nice bear spread type of motion. So uh, what we look at for any kind of throwover is those quick false moves outside of the pattern before retreating back into it. Now, is this a, is this something where you can come up with an idea of maybe what a downside target would be on this throwover, or uh, is there any, any price projections? And I'm not saying, Hey, give us a specific soybean price projection, but is there a way to do that uh, in this, when you see this uh, setup? Yeah. So what you'd like to do is take the start of the pattern, and that first initial move from the initial two points of the uh, uh, ending diagonal. And then you take that and you'd apply it to wherever the breakout ends up being uh, and using that as your objective, more than likely wanting to break with the ending diagonal, the low of the pattern and with the beginning diagonal or triangle, things along those lines, breaking the high of the pattern. So as of right now, what you'd be looking for is a break of that intermediate low that we've been holding for the last couple months <clears throat> and especially with the ending diagonal seeing more so of that uh quick type of movement come into play because when you do see that throw over you like to see a quick aggressive movement back down through the pattern breaking out the downside okay um and then we saw something the other day that we had uh, we were looking at uh, the rice uh, market and there's a couple of things uh, on that uh, on that chart and you know just I know not a lot of people trade rice and that's evidenced by the fact that it only traded 650 contracts today. But um, on that specific chart, we saw a, a head and shoulders top that um, you want to explain how you come up with, um, well, A, the, what, what an ideal head and shoulders top would look like uh, for everybody. And then kind of give an idea of how you find a, uh, a downside target to the head and shoulders top or an upside target to the inverse head and shoulders? Yeah. So with these patterns, you'd like to see one, you'd like to see the head 
outside of the two shoulders by at least 5%. You don't want to see those close by. Otherwise you could be looking closer to that uh, triple top type of formation. So you like to see a nice defined outward movement for the head. And then you like to see the shoulder, the neckline and the shoulders come within three to 5% of each other in order to really get a good look at what you're looking at. So you get the objective, you look from the absolute highest point of the head to where that intersects that day. If you draw a line straight down to the neckline and using that objective and attaching that to the breakout points to give you your point of reference for where the objective would be now looking at that and seeing that objective, people think that, okay, we are going to hit this mark, but Based on a lot of studies that have been done, done more quantitatively, especially if you go to the pattern site, Volkowski, uh, you see about 67% of that objective is normally hits. Not saying that we don't ever go down and get the full, but more time than not, what you see is you see a 67% of that move actually take place. And it's probably more so due to as more people get into the trade, as more people see this setup and confirm this setup, using that opportunity to front run the objective of the formation that if we are going all the way down to this area, okay, I'm going to take my profits a little bit earlier and seeing that really kind of move that objective and that target a little bit closer to where it typically was in the past. Mm. Now we've, we've had this conversation in our office uh, a few times uh, in the past and, and there was some, uh, initially it was, you know, the idea of what actually confirms the head and shoulders or what uh, confirms that you've engaged the head and shoulders uh, formation. Um, I think a lot of us will look to you as, as far as an authority on this kind of stuff when you, since you've been studying uh, with it, but it used to be that you could get away with one close below that confirmed that everything was good, but is it, is it two closes below? Is it two consecutive closes below? How many, uh, how many closes below the neckline would you have to be to confirm uh, the breakout to the downside? So to just confirm, you look at one to get a high confidence confirmation. You like to see two mm-hmm. and what you'd really, I mean, textbook love to see is a breakout retest of the neckline from the other side and failure against it. Okay. So much like what we talked about with the throw over on the ending diagonal, that's what you kind of want to avoid with that high confidence uh, confirmation of it. You like to see that you don't see just a one day false breakout type of movement and then retreat back above the neckline, which would then cause it to be a failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so looking at the two clothes to give you more confidence, uh, one of your better bets is to, as you start to see this set up, if you can look at some shorter term puts at the neckline to give you a position there, that's a great way about going about having a position and not say missing it. Cause say we do break through the neckline and then you see a dramatic down move and you're waiting for those two consecutive closes and you end up missing 5% of the actual move waiting for that confirmation. I know a lot of people get jumpy. So using some of those different tools in order to give you a position and allow for that to, to really develop is going to be one of the better ways to trade in. Right. Now on the, uh, on that same, uh, rice chart, we, uh, uh, we also identified, uh, an evening star, 
three rivers, you name it. What uh, can you explain what that is? Cause we've seen that before we saw that, uh, I think, uh, uh, two, two years ago, uh, in the wheat market, um, right before our conference in January. Uh, and that signaled a, uh, a break, uh, in that market. What's, uh, what, what exactly is the evening start, uh, formation there? Yeah, so with the evening star, you'd like to see it on top of the chart, obviously. And you'd like to see what is called the three rivers formation, which is a nice, good up move that closes near its highs. You see that evening star, that doji right on the next bar. And then the third bar being a down move that, for the most part, takes out the first day movement. And it goes back to an old Japanese proverb, something along the lines of having three rivers where you go walking and you just want to walk straight through this river. But the first one has this very aggressive uh, flow to the north and you get picked up in this and it drags you up and then compensating for it. You expect the second river to also be going in that direction. So you go in and you, try to compensate for that uh, aggressive movement, but you don't quite get it. So you just kind of drift along and you don't really move anywhere. And then again, third river, you get caught off guard and comes sweeping away and just takes you out uh, in the absolute opposite direction of where you initially came in. So I don't, that's somewhat of the proverb. I'm not probably not getting everything correct, but something along those lines where you see well, those. Your Japanese is probably a little rusty. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you like to see those two big bars on either side with that doji right in the middle on the top. That gives you your evening star move. Okay. Is there a, is there a uh, projection uh, on, on that? Is there a way to project what that does or, or the confidence that you put behind uh, uh, that holding, uh, holding firm? It's a nice... I can't remember off the top of my head the confidence interval. I know it's one of the it's it's definitely up there in different patterns and confidence intervals. Mm -hmm. But the only way you can really look at that is seeing the third bar take you back to the opening of the initial bar. Um, past that doesn't really give you much of a good price objective besides just basically being right back where you started. Sure. Okay. All right. Well then let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, like if we're, if some of our customers are just now getting into, to looking at charts, what's a, an entry level way for them to start to study some of the, ch these charts, because obviously you can, you can get buried in the amount of technical jargon that goes along with, uh, with charting and all that stuff. What are some of your beginner ways to identify uh, trends or identify support and resistance or uh, giving you an idea of maybe a market is getting ready to change? What are some of those, uh, some of those ways that you, uh, uh, you would recommend guys look into as far as opportunities uh, when just getting started with charting. Yeah. So just getting started, you're, uh, I'd say the best place to go is you have technical analysis for dummies. And while it's something that's definitely ego bruiser buying a book that says <laughs> for dummies, it really is a good starting point. And it gives you some initial thoughts about what 
does a trend mean? And some of the ideas behind some of these studies, besides just seeing a moving average and saying, okay, the 10 day moving average is coming into here. And then not really knowing what exactly what that means, because you use a simple moving average and then you get the drop-off effect. And now you go, well, what, what's the drop-off effect? And then you look at the moving average and say, well, you can be using a simple moving average, a weighty moving average, exponential moving average, smooth moving average, triangular weighted. And that's when you get just an overflow of data. Wow, there's so many different moving averages. How can I possibly pick just one? And why would I pick this one over that one? Mm-hmm. So really getting into the, the some of the, not fully the math behind it, but the ideas behind why you're using them and seeing, okay, I'm going to be using something to measure trend. And then I'm going to be using something to measure the speed of the trend, whether it's an oscillator, whether it's a rate of change, whether it's momentum. And then based on that, am I using this to follow the trend? Am I doing a mean reverting and starting to really piece together what is it that is your goal for what you're doing? Am I a short-term trader? Am I a long-term trader? Am I looking to better my entry and exit points? Am I looking to take advantage of trends when they happen? Uh, So really just getting down the why to what you're in the market for. Mm -hmm. Am I hedging? Am I specking? Am I, what time frame am I looking at? And how do I build a plan that works for me? Do you put much stock into uh, the different uh, time intervals on uh, on charts? So like a, a, a one minute chart versus a five minute versus an hour versus a day or a weekly? Yeah, and you have to, but you have to know why you're looking at it because looking at a short-term chart is fantastic if you're scalping the market. Sure. If you're not... And you're looking at, okay, I maybe want to be in a couple times a week in and out and moving. Well, now I want to move to a daily chart with a longer term time frame to help out with some trend. And you have to use your filters properly in order to minimize the noise, which is minimize those moves that if I'm looking at trading in and out a couple times a week, I'm not going to be looking at a minute chart because I'm going to say, okay, there's a head and shoulders here. Well, there's a double top here. You're going to see so many patterns. But if you're looking at that small of a time frame, you need to be looking at very small profits and very short-term in and out scalping moves. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be in and out multiple times an hour, let alone a week. Sure. Now, with what uh, with what we've seen here recently in these in these markets, whether it's the the grains uh, or the the crude oil or say the Dow or anything like that, is there anything that stands out to you that's a you know kind of a maybe a red flag or maybe it's a maybe it's a green flag means go. Let's you know we continue to to hold these uptrends or, or anything like that. Is there anything uh, that's, that's speaking to you right now um, in these, in these charts right now? I've got to say one of the biggest things that worry me right now is across the financials, you have a gap from uh, Sunday night that is remaining. And we saw on previous fed decisions, the market get a status quo decision and rally off of it. So maybe it is something that we can go up there and we can tag those gaps. We can fill them up. But what I'm really nervous about is if this gap remains, that's it, it could be a breakaway gap, which is not good at all. Can you explain the different types of gaps there that you're that you're talking about? 
Yeah. So when you're looking at gaps, you got several different types of gaps. You got common gaps, which are just more on illiquid markets. They happen all the time and they're really irrelevant. You got breakaway gaps, which happen at the beginning of substantial movements. You've got measuring gaps that happen about midway through movements. And then you got exhaustion gaps that typically happen at the end of movements. So with a gap like this, if it is going to end up being a measuring gap on this chart, really signifies that even though we have taken a lot off of this equity market already, it could just be the beginning, which is not great when you're looking. Yeah. I mean, we were, uh, the Dow was what, uh, 35, 36,000 earlier this year. Um, and now we're sitting, you know, just above 30 with a gap that just happened, what, yesterday at like 30, what, 32? Mm-hmm. So, uh, boy, I mean, is there is there a way to, so you said like a measuring gap would be roughly half uh, of your move. I mean, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be looking for a measuring gap to come in, say, tomorrow or anytime this week with the, the move we've seen. Right. You could, um, but more than likely not so much. You more so want to probably see that more distance between, but regardless, yeah, if this gap does hold throughout the week and we do finish close to our lows, you've got everyone talking about how the Fed is going to have to push this thing in recession, which makes sense because really to combat inflation at this point with interest rate hikes is extremely difficult to do. They're, we're in this problem because you have so much bottleneck that's taking place that in order to really stifle demand to the point that it opens up these bottlenecks and we can get more product out, you have to kill demand. And to kill demand, that means you have to kill business at this point, mm-hmm. which is not good either. So, but we've already entered like bear market territory for, for stocks mm-hmm. would, I mean, which have we, have we done this before you, where we've had the, the rate hikes and the aggressive rate hikes or the expectation of aggressive rate hikes like this in a bear market? Uh, potentially back in the eighties. Um, But we've got, I mean, it's just, it's a bad situation because you enter a bear market and get multiple days of confirmation of that. And then you get a, once you enter the bear market, you get a breakaway gap along with it. It, it, it's worrisome. And you got mm-hmm. the VIX just kind of making this round of, round the bottom alongside of it, which is a derivative of S&P 500 options. So you see this breakout of the VIX and you see this flight to buying options, which more so historically are outweighted to the puts and the calls when that VIX gets spiking. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just you got a lot of writing on the wall that as you can just tell, looking at, any of these financial news networks, you've got a very cautious panic going on right now. Mm-hmm. You're seeing companies making comments that they're going to have to cut their labor force. And you see retail outlets saying that they're not expecting to continue to see growth going into this year. And you just have a lot of outlying subjects that are saying that we have problems 
for us and we've known about these problems and they're coming towards the front now and we're seeing them start to really take hold Mm -hmm. well they must be getting uh getting a little bit uh a little bit worried here in the uh uh, in maybe some of the uh, the energies, if you know they're watching the equities uh, falling off, um, the energies are you know we're talking about uh, uh, multi year highs and and you know we put in that high at uh, one hundred and thirty dollars and and that goes back to uh, something that you, that we had talked about a long time ago was the throw under. We go back and talk about the throw over in soybeans, but we had the throw under in in uh in crude um didn't we have uh, another situation in that uh, where it basically just went where you thought it it had the potential to go and we've slowly but surely kind of backed it off a little bit since then um is that something that if you're in the in that kind of an industry or you're in that uh, in that market you've got to be very worried about uh, seeing seeing some of these dominoes fall down the line yeah because if it comes to the demand side of thing and everyone just dials back they're not going out as much and you just see demand actually absolutely destroyed we saw it back in 2020 it it, it could bring prices down that could be what solves inflation is people just not being able to spend money so there is a lot of worry there and everyone's talking about how it's going to be extremely difficult for the fed to achieve this soft landing without triggering an outright recession. And that's really as much as you can point to is there's just a lot of little bit louder, not as much hushed panic, but there's still that very calm movement to the exit that we're seeing. Right. And we've got the uh, the uh, Fed uh, meeting notes uh, tomorrow uh, coming out. Uh, they're going to tell us whether it's going to be a half point, three quarter point, full point uh, uh, rate hike. Um, I mean, with what we've seen, you know, just just since the CPI number came out on Friday, um, I mean, these markets are are. It, it looks like they're running scared. I mean, you've got, uh, as we're speaking right now, I know you don't have access to to your charts, but me working from home, <laughs> yes, I, I do. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, you got the uh, you know, I mean, you can see the points right now. You got the Nasdaq yeah. down, what, 46 and a half? Yeah, you're, you're on the lows for the Dow. And this is about the time yesterday where everything started to melt down at the very end. We were already down 600 points. And by the time we got to this time, Time, we were working towards thousand, and it's it's you know in since ten o'clock or eleven o'clock, uh, the crude oil has gone from uh, new contract highs in the July contract. Now that's not all time highs. That's not uh, uh, that's not the highs that we saw back uh, in what was it March, um, but that is new contract highs for the July, and now it's it's sitting almost six dollars off those highs and yeah flirting with an outside day lower very close well and that's two cents of yesterday's lows and that's what uh you know yesterday uh the gold and silver were saved by that uh by that uh, 
that difference where you have that settlement uh, uh, at like 1130 or 1230. Uh, and then they actually trade until four o'clock. Well, when things were melting down with the Dow, that's when the, the gold and silver were making, uh, were going and reinforcing that outside day down. And it just looked ugly, but their settlements had them trading within the previous day's range. So it didn't look nearly as bad. You know, we, yesterday, uh, at one point, we were talking about the potential in, in corn of a, uh, a key reversal. You want to mm-hmm. explain that uh, what a key reversal is uh, in the uh, uh, just specifically into the corn? I mean, it works the same on pretty much any chart, but yeah. So you got this this movement, and whether it's upwards or downwards, if it's going up, you see that gap higher outside of the day before's range completely, and seeing that open pretty much be the high. You might be able to get a couple trades above the open, but you like to see that open hold as the high for the day and then just retreating, closing below the day before's lows and getting that bearish engulfing candle, that outside day lower with just a lot of authority of the bears saying that we are more than willing to take a stab and sell this and continue to sell this and bull saying, I want to get out of the way and just seeing that very strong down bar in an upwards market that gapped higher, unable to hold it and close lower than the previous day's lows. Mm-hmm. I mean, as we speak, we're on the highs or just a couple of ticks off the highs in the U.S. dollar. And we talked about uh, the the dollar being kind of the outlier as, as far as when, uh, you know, when we're when we enter into a recession, that would be the final the final nail in the coffin is when the dollar finally gives gives it up and starts to work its way back down. But, uh, you know, you look at, uh, say, the uh, the U.S. Treasuries and and uh, that market is is down, you know, down a full handle today, the uh, treasury bonds, and you've got the euro dollar down uh, big for uh, two, three, three days in a row. And it's just having looked at a lot of these markets and, and how bullish everything has been for a year or for, you know, a year and a half or two years, it seems like, this is why we can't have nice things. You know, we get to, we get to this point and everybody gets it in there. They get, you know, stars in their eyes. Cause this is, it can do nothing. It can do no wrong. Markets go up forever. And then they just, they just rip it out from underneath us. I mean, to, to the point of, uh, of like the Dow being, you know, couple thousand points lower than it started uh, started the week and it only being Tuesday and then you know soybeans finishing the day below $17 again here we are we, you know we we talked about this uh, a few weeks ago that the soybeans do not stay above $17 for very long it's mm-hmm. uh, you've got to, you've got to have some uh, some current concerns about uh, uh, about this as a producer of what do I do I'm not saying you have to rush to sell cash or hedge or anything like that but you have to be very careful that you don't miss the signs that the market is going and it has sometimes has nothing to do with what's going on in the field Mm -hmm. yeah money chases money and it's a negative feedback loop that takes place so definitely something to be very aware of and ahead of at this point really is it because it happens quickly. And by the time you notice it's happening, it's too late. Right. 
So a lot of interesting stuff. Hopefully we didn't give you guys too much negativity for, for the day. And you can go out, look at the nice warm weather here today. Hopefully the crops have grown a foot since we've walked in here, considering how humid it is, at least here. <laughs> but if you guys have any questions, please give us a call 800-2-MARKET. That's 800-262-7538. Today for Allendale Market Talk, this is Mike Lung and Greg McBride signing off. You guys have a great one. Yeah.